congregation can honestly say that they're happy right here and now. And I don't mean you plan to be happy sometime in the future, uh, maybe as soon as this message is over, <laughs> or that you remember being happy sometime in the past. But uh, right here and now, let's have a show of hands. Oh, very good. Well, I apologize to you who raised your hands because this is the end of happiness. <laughs> or more specifically, this is the end of happiness sermons delivered by yours truly in this church. Uh, to recap what we learned previously in uh, the previous sermons, uh, there is a positive correlation between happiness and vacations and trips, especially at the planning stage. <laughs> There's a positive correlation between happiness and nature, happiness and exercise, happiness and sun exposure, at least until you get skin cancer. Um, there's a, happiness correlates positively with talk therapy, um, with meditation, especially mindfulness meditation and meditating on compassion. Happiness is positively associated with prayer, with spirituality, with social networks and friendships. Happiness increases with marriage, income, romance, uh, sexual activity, sleep, and experiences as opposed to material goods. <laughs> uh, expressions of gratitude, smiling, and altruism relate positively with happiness. So I can hear you thinking, what more could I possibly talk about as far as happiness is concerned? Oh, ye of little faith, there's lots more to talk about. In fact, when I first wrote this up and timed it, it was 40 minutes long, so I've done a lot of chopping. First of all, just, before, just because there's a positive correlation between happiness and all the items that I mentioned doesn't necessarily mean that one caused the other. It depends upon the design of the study. So how would you go about designing a study that would prove that music causes happiness to increase. Well, you, first of all, you would gather a large number of people. The more people in the study, the more reliable the findings. You would divide the people into two groups who were fairly evenly matched as far as age, sex, race, cultural identity, education, income, exercise, religion, smoking, drinking, marital status, job satisfaction, etc. But the more diversity within each group, the more significant the results. You would measure the happiness levels of the two groups using some kind of a survey, and if the two groups came out fairly evenly matched, you're good to go. One group would just continue with their lives as before. Come back in a month so we can retest you. The other group would be asked to listen to, say, 30 minutes of music each day. After a month, each person would be retested on their happiness levels using the same survey as before. Let's say the group that didn't have music had their happiness levels increased by 25%, while the music group had their happiness levels increased by 50%. Remember, the two groups were evenly matched at the beginning. And let's say similar studies by different researchers in various parts of the world replicated these findings. Maybe the studies varied by the type of music listened to, whether it was live or recorded, whether the music was listened to or you actually sang or played it. Um, and all the studies showed a significant increase in happiness levels when compared to a control group. 
then one could probably say that there is a positive relationship between happiness and music. But that, not only that, but that music causes one's level of happiness to increase. And what about the group that did nothing? Why did their happiness levels increase? What's that all about? Some of you may have heard this. That's called the placebo effect. And any time uh, you do a study, you need to take that into account because no matter who or what is being studied, the control group where there's no intervention usually shows about a 20 to 30% improvement in happiness or weight loss or suicide rates or cholesterol or whatever is being studied. It's probably due just to the fact that attention is being paid to the control group. A study that doesn't compare its results to a control group is really not worth its weight in gold. Now let's talk about two subjects very near and dear to my heart, animals and music. People love music for much the same reason they love sex or psychoactive drugs or gambling or alcohol or eating. They all cause the release of endorphins, the feel-good hormones. And when you listen to music that you enjoy, your brain releases dopamine, which is one of the endorphins. Dopamine is involved in pleasure, in motivation, and in addiction. The positive relationship between music and endorphins helps to explain why music has been a part of cultures all over the world since the beginning of history. One study linked music-induced pleasure not only with a surge in emotions, but also there were physical changes in heart rate, pulse, breathing rate, and other measurements. And these are pretty much the same responses that are activated when one falls in love or eats chocolate or does anything that uh, results in intense feelings of pleasure. Along with these physical changes, people often reported feelings of shivers or chills when listening to music. And in one study of the dopamine music link, the researchers recruited eight music lovers, which is a very small study. Uh, and the, these people brought to the lab samples of music that gave them chills or, uh, of pleasure. The most popular selection was Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings. Really? Where did they find these people? <laughs> I have nothing against Barber's uh, Adagio, but I wonder how many here would have selected that as their favorite piece of music. Let's see a show of hands. <laughs> How many, people, how many people have even heard of Barber's Adagio for Strings? Okay, my point's been made. <laughs> After 15 minutes of listening to music the individual selected, uh, that the individual selected, the scientists injected the participants with a radioactive substance that binds to dopamine and receptors. And they injected this into their brains. Now really, not only did these people pick this obscure piece of music as their favorite piece of music, but they uh, were willing to have a radioactive substance injected into their brains <laughs> twice just to test how much dopamine was released. I don't know about you, but I'm not letting anybody inject a radioactive substance into my brain just to study dopamine. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with a machine called a PET scanner, and that's a positron emission tomography scan, not a dog ear cat scanner. Uh, the test showed that people's brains released large amounts of dopamine when they listen to music that gives them chills. 
The next day, they were injected again with a radioactive substance, and they listened to music that was less moving for them, and dopamine was not released into their brains. Once the researchers knew for sure that dopamine was behind the pleasure of music, they then put the participants in an fMRI machine and played the music for them again. And in this part of the experiment, the scanners showed that the brain pumped out dopamine not only while listening to the music, but in anticipation of listening to music. The only difference was that the two dopamine surges happened in different parts of the brain. And for your information, an fMRI means functional magnetic resonance imaging. It's a neuroimaging procedure that measures brain activity by detecting changes associated with blood flow in the brain. And this technique relies on the fact that blood flow in the brain and the activity of the neurons in the brain are coupled with each other. The findings suggest that like sex and drugs, music may be mildly addictive. Probably why you see people going down the street with the earbuds in their home. <laughs> um, quote, music is going to be a useful tool in trying to explain all sorts of aspects of pleasure, addiction, and maladaptive behaviors, says David Huron. David is a music cognition researcher at Ohio State University in Columbus. Wouldn't that be a great come on at a singles bar? Hi, I'm a music cognition researcher. Can I buy you a drink? Music can be pumped right to the client in the fMRI machine, and scientists can then look at the uh, dopamine responses in the brain on a note-by-note basis. Oh, that F-sharp really turns me on. (laughs) Research shows that upbeat music can have a positive effect on our well-being. In one study, people successfully improved their short-term moods and their happiness by listening to different types of upbeat music. Participants in this study listened to the music of the American composer Aaron Copland, as opposed to the more mellow music of Igor Stravinsky. Really? Stravinsky? Mellow? (laughs) Mellow is certainly not a word I would associate with the composer of the Rite of Spring and the Firebird and the Rake's Progress. How many of you have seen the movie Fantasia? Remember the part with the dinosaurs? The music in the background was The Rite of Spring by Stravinsky, and that was not mellow. (laughs) Anyways, um, also probably in fact, or actually in apocryphal, because I don't think it's in fact, uh, the story goes that the first time The Rite of Spring was performed, it caused a riot, because the audience was so upset over the loud, dissonant noise. Communicable uh, disease is spread by contact, and so do moods. If you're happy, those around you will tend to be happy, and if you're sad, those around you will tend to be sad. Music can get your brain into gear. A study of children ages 8 to 11 found that those who took extracurricular music classes uh, developed higher verbal IQs and better visual abilities in comparison to those with no musical training and yet most schools have cut out band and chorus and other musical classes. There's evidence that music can reduce stress and anxiety, particularly if it's in a slow tempo and not too loud. A study involving surgery patients found that when they listened to music before an operation, it reduced stress levels even better than anti-anxiety drugs. (laughs) 
And in another study, music helped to reduce blood pressure, heart rate, and anxiety in heart disease patients. Music has numerous physical and mental health benefits. Music has been found to aid everything from memory to exercise. Ooh, does that mean I can listen to music instead of exercising? Wouldn't that be great? So here's what you can do to increase your happiness using music. Listen to music every day. Just 25 minutes a day for at least 10 days will help prevent back pain and help you sleep better. Play music while exercising. Listen, listening to music during exercise can help to increase your endurance, boost your mood, distract you from any discomfort you may feel. And for an effective workout, you need to listen to music that's high in energy and high tempo. Pick music to fit the situation. Any type of classical music can help relieve muscle pain. Join a choir or a band. If one actively engages with the music, rather than just letting it play in the background, it can make you feel happier. Simply put, our brains are programmed to be happier when we listen to music. Well, what about happiness in pets? Research suggests that pets are good sources of social and emotional support. Pet owners have greater self-esteem, are more physically fit, tend to be less lonely, are more extroverted, and less fearful than non-pet owners. But this is the old egg and chicken dilemma. Which came first? Uh, Do pet owners have greater self-esteem, or do people with greater self-esteem tend to be the ones that adopt pets? I don't have the answer. Pet owners are more conscientious than non-pet owners. The article didn't expand upon this. Uh, How did the researchers decide that the pet owners were more conscientious, and what were they conscientious about? Taking out the garbage, washing dishes, exercising, cleaning the litter box, eating healthy, telling the truth, recycling, voting? I don't know. Pet owners are just as close to key people in their lives as they are to their pets. No wonder so many couples, when they break up, fight just as much over who keeps the dog as who keeps the children. A study by the National Institute of Health found that people recover from a stressful situation more quickly when they're with pets than with their partners or loved ones. So the next time a loved one says to you, you love that cat more than you love me, it might be true. Pets can add real joy and unconditional love to your life. Stroking, hugging, or otherwise touching an animal can rapidly calm and soothe us when we're stressed or anxious. Pets can ease loneliness, encourage exercise, especially dogs, unless you walk your cat. Pets ha- uh, people with pets have lower blood pressure than those without pets. One study found that when people with borderline hypertension adopted dogs from a shelter, their blood pressure declined significantly within five months. Pet owners have lower triglyceride and cholesterol levels than those without pets. The American Heart Association has linked the ownership of pets, especially dogs, uh, with greater longevity and a reduced risk for heart disease. Pet owners over 65 make 30% fewer visits to their doctors when those without pets. That may not be a result of being healthier, and maybe because they just can't afford to go to the doctor because the vet bills are so expensive. (laughs) 
Pet owners heal better after surgery and have reduced factors for cardiovascular disease. Owning a cat or a dog can also increase your chances of surviving a heart attack. One of the reasons for these therapeutic effects is that dogs and cats fulfill the basic need for human touch. Even prison inmates have shown long-term changes in their behavior after interacting with dogs. Many of the prisoners experienced mutual affection for the first time when they handled and worked with dogs. And there's some prisons in the across the country that are now um, helping, having prisoners help with training dogs so they have a better chance of being adopted. The dogs, not the prisoners. <laughs> uh, caring for a pet can bring pleasure and help boost your morale and your optimism and your sense of self-worth. Worth. Pets provide companionship, which can prevent illness and even add years to your life, while isolation and loneliness can trigger can trigger symptoms of depression. Caring for a pet can make you feel needed and wanted and take the focus away from yourself and your problems, especially if you live alone. A pet can play an important role in easing symptoms of depression, anxiety, stress, bipolar disorder, and PTSD. Choosing to adopt a pet from a shelter, especially an older pet, can add to the sense of fulfillment. Knowing that you provided a home to a pet that would otherwise be euthanized. And pets can help boost your immune system and increase your energy. Well, with all that being said, a pet is not a miracle cure for whatever ails you. Owning a pet is beneficial and comforting only for those of you who love and appreciate domestic animals and have the time and the money to keep a pet healthy and happy. If you're not a dog person, Dog ownership is not going to provide you with any health benefits or improve your life. Ah, I forgot my... What if you discovered that the best place to begin your personal pursuit of happiness is at the end of your fork? (laughs) Emerging research from the fields of neuroscience and nutrition shows that by changing what you eat, you can stabilize your mood, improve your focus, boost your brain, all while trimming your tummy. It's from a book called The Happiness Diet. And according to the book, food is directly linked to three areas of the brain function that create your, quote, happiness ability. And here are the rules that the book suggests, which are pretty much universal rules for being healthy. Rule number one, reduce the amount of processed foods you eat. Much of it is loaded with sugar. And too much sugar actually contributes to the shrinkage of key brain areas involved in mood regulation. Oh, my goodness. Now I know why. Oh, well. (laughs) Rule number... Stay. Uh, Rule number two, eat more fruits and vegetables whenever possible. Compared with... um, Plant foods contain the minerals, vitamins, and phytonutrients that your brain needs for optimal functioning. Opt for grass-fed meat uh, rather than grain-fed meat because grass-fed meat has more omega-3 fatty acids that promote formation of new brain connections. And the more brain connections you have, the better off you are. Strive for variety. The greater the range of whole foods you consume, the sharper happier and more energized you will be. If you want more information about this, buy the book, The Happiness Diet, or simply follow my advice, which is eat chocolate. (laughs) 
Albert Schweitzer said, happiness is the key to success. Well, happiness also has become big business. Look up happiness on the internet and you'll find page after page of listings. For instance, the following is from the Stanford Graduate Business School. The happiness case for happiness discusses why it is important for employees and customers to be happy, how happiness positively impacts the bottom line, and how an organization can design for happiness. That's all one sentence. Other sites I found on the internet include My Happiness Business Model, Happiness at Work Survey, Happy Startup School, How to Design Happiness, Delivering Happiness, In the Pursuit of Happiness, Harvard Magazine, The Science of Happiness, and the list goes on and on. There also appears to be enough seminars around the country dealing with happiness that you could attend one every week for the next year and not repeat yourself. March 20th, 2016 was the International Day of Happiness, a day inspired by the people of Bhutan and designed by the leaders of the United Nations to promote the idea idea that social, economic, and environmental well-being together define gross global happiness. And the Action for Happiness Pledge states, I will try to create more happiness in the world around me. And I saw a bumper sticker on a taxi the other day when I was in Tucson. Let us drive you happy. (laughs) The words of the song by Blood, Sweat, and Tears that was played just before I started my message go, you've made me so very happy. I'm so glad you came into my life. What a beautiful sentiment. Ah, but wait. Remember last week the Buddhist nun Soglam said that we create our present and our future? So if we want to be happy, we need to create our happiness from within, not depend on outside forces to create our happiness. According to Dr. Wayne Dyer, quote, simply put, you believe that things or people make you unhappy. But this is not accurate. You make yourself unhappy. And this can be turned around to read, simply put, you believe that things or people make you happy. But this is not accurate. You make yourself happy. So listen to music, love a pet, and this, my friends, is the end of happiness.